seven down, three to go in MotoGP 2020, and it's beginning to get very tense indeed. And you guys out there have joined us too, with now well over 100,000 downloads of this MotoGP podcast. Thank you for sharing our enthusiasm and love of MotoGP here at the-race.com. But coming back to 2020, we've now seen Frankie Morbidelli take a second brilliant victory with a sublime ride at Aragon 2, where he has later admitted he was almost in a trance-like state. Such was his focus and concentration. He had a huge day, but not as huge a day as Juan Mir, who with third position extended his championship lead from six to 14 points with two Valencia races and one Portuguese race still remaining. Last week's winner, Alex Rins, was second yesterday, but couldn't put a hand on Morbidelli, who didn't necessarily expect to win until about a third of the way through the first lap when the pole man and surefire nailed on expected winner of the race, Taka Nakagami went wide off the racing line and fell off. So, how many riders are still in with a shout of this MotoGP championship? Juan Mir leads 14 points ahead of Quattararo, 19 ahead of Vinales, 25 points ahead of Morbidelli, and there are 75 points still on the table. Simon Patterson joins me now. Simon, let's start with Morbidelli, shall we? Because he won the race. Can he now do it? Can he win the championship from fourth position at the moment? 25 points back with 75 on the table? Good question. Uh, my, my gut feeling is that nothing has really changed for the Yamahas in that, yes, he is more than capable of winning the championship, but it's not something that's in his control because he needs, especially the next two races at Valencia, to go the right way for him. He needs clear track in front of him. He needs to be able to control the race from the start. He needs to be able to make a break and set his own pace and get into that trance-like rhythm. He uh, he said afterwards on Sunday that he was, uh, you know, a Brazilian channeling his inner Senna and just settling in rhythm, metronome, bump, 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 doing that. He needs to be able to do that. Every Yamaha win we've seen this year, so it's two for him, uh, one for Maverick Vinales, three for Fabio Quartararo have all come the exact same way. No Yamaha rider has come through the field, put on a bit of a fight, passed a few people and won a race. They've all done it from the first lap. That's the only way that Morbidelli can win the championship. And the problem for him is that depends on circumstance out of his control because he needs to be on pole position. He needs to make a perfect start. He needs to be better than everyone else. And he needs to lead into the first corner. I thought you were going to say he needs some people in front of him to fall off, which is exactly what happened yesterday. He needs a bit of bad luck for others and the good luck for him to, to level out on the day. Yeah, he said a trance-like state. It felt like two laps, not 23. Today, I felt something different. And as you said, Simon, the Senna-esque view, the feeling, and that harks back to, to Ayrton Senna in the Marlborough McLaren in 1988 when he was qualifying from the Monaco Grand Prix. He said, I had an out-of-body experience. I was floating above my own car, watching myself drive around the circuit. And forgive me, I can't remember the time difference, but he put it on pole by a mile, by, an, uh, by, by a, a mile. It's still... 
I'm not an F1 fan, but it is the F1 qualifying lap. It is, you know, and he he was just miles ahead and McLaren won 15 out of 16 races that year. It was another world. So it's very interesting that he's, he's, he's not fallen. That sounds as if he's done it by accident, but he's achieved and reached this trance-like state where I've always said it, 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 it's like a time trialist with cycling. It's just you and the bike and the road. And there are sometimes sportsmen, they turn up to a race, a sporting event, and they're confident. That That's great. But the sometimes they turn up and they say, I know I'm going to win today. And that fine line between confidence and knowing you're going to win is so fine, you can't even split it with a microscope. But he ha- he had it yesterday. He had it. Yeah. And, and arguably, that makes him the perfect Yamaha rider. Because it's not something that Fabio Quadraro has. It's not something that Maverick Vinales has. If Morbidelli could bring that confidence, that ability to get into that state of mind every weekend, he'd be unstoppable. But I don't think it happens. He'd be Jorge Lorenzo. I don't think it happens every weekend. No, it, it, it doesn't. Can't. That's the yeah. thing. That's the thing. Mm. But, you know, maybe there's a way to unlock it more often. And then, yeah, of course he's going to win the championship. <laughs> other interesting comments that he made after the race uh hark to the time that he spent with valentino because as we've touched on before with our podcast with yourself uh, morbidelli has been really the first one taken underneath valentino rossi's wing the whole vr46 academy things were difficult for morbidelli in rome he's come to 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 the to the adriatic coast and he and he said I just pick up things from Valentino. I, I take things from his attitude, his approach, his routine. And um, not only is Valentino, you know, a nine-time world champion, but Rossi's been racing in Grand Prix for just one year less than Morbidelli has been on this planet. <laughs> so, of course, there's going to be things he can bring. That's it. That's it. Someone asked him where those comments came from. Someone asked him after the race what he had learned from Valentino to make him go faster. And he said, I don't know. I'm sure I've learned loads and loads and loads from him, but I don't know what they are because it's all subconscious. And that's, you know, that's the whole benefit of the Academy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The other thing that he said after the race that made me laugh because it's very Franco Morbidelli was uh, someone asked him about the, the, he had mentioned the journey he had been on and asked him to clarify what he meant. And he said, no, 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 no. I didn't mean journey. I meant trip. The race was really trippy. <laughs> Let's leave their Saturday night parties <laughs> to themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, Morbidelli, uh, what a race. What a run. Uh, as I said, he's fourth in the championship, 25. That's a whole race win worth of points back. But it is one of those yeah. years you just never know. Of course know. it is. Of course it is. And let's remember, he's now got two wins more than uh, championship leader Juan Mir. Who... St- not only has not won a Grand Prix in MotoGP, he's still not led a lap this year. Amazingly, he's not won a race in Moto2. So the last Grand Prix that he was victorious in was at the end of 2017 at Malaysia, his championship year in Moto3. That's as good as three seasons ago. So that's not a criticism. I'm just saying... Maybe he was destined in life to always be a big bike rider, like Gary McCoy. Exactly. And uh, that that has been a topic of conversation all weekend, because now Mir is the championship favourite, 
people are starting to accept that. Someone asked Jack Miller on Sunday, you know, does it devalue the title if he wins a championship without winning a race? And and Jack was like, well, no, because his race win was stolen from him by the red flag at the Styrian Grand Prix when he was five seconds clear down the road. So as far as his competitors are concerned, he is a race winner this year, if not in paper. And he had a bit of a joke, wanted a bit of a joke about it on Sunday and said, you know, ask ask someone who who won the 1993 Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, who won the 1993 World Championship? Kevin Schwantz. Kevin Schwantz. Sorry, yeah. Ah, oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what you mean? Yes. I thought you were going to pin me to the post there on who no, the no, no. won that race. Yeah, no, no. But I, I get his point. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. And and at this second Aragon race, a terrible qualifying for Juan Mir Suzuki, twelfth position. His second worst qualifying of the twenty twenty season, but he made a belter of a start holy smoke he made a cracking start uh just to that first corner and he's also only just started using his fifth and final engine for the this 14 race season mm-hmm. so it's fresh but he did say i did have trouble getting past zarko in those early laps oh that ducati yeah. speed oh yeah. yeah they always say <laughs> Can't of course, get, can't get past. And let's be honest, Johan Zarco is very good at making himself very wide on a track as well. He is indeed. He is indeed. And I mentioned his his fifth engine that he's only just started to use. That compares with Morbidelli's race engine yesterday that was first used six races ago, and arguably has done the most miles of any Yamaha, less for one of Vinales's engines. But that's going to shake out later has arguably done more miles than any MotoGP engine ever. Correct. Correct. Because remember, this season at full whack, we would have had seven seven engines per rider, but because it's a reduced season, it got reduced to five engines. And then Yamaha lost, and they've been using that same race engine for... Yeah, so... uh, So arguably, yeah, that is, you know, I don't think there's ever been a MotoGP engine that would have done as many race miles. Very true. Some of those Yamahas. Good, good point. Um, I think what's going to get the Yamaha engine out of jail is the fact that it's so much cooler for the these races we've just had, <laughs> and then the two Valencias and the two and the Portugal at the end, rather than the pressure cooker, ridiculous, hottest ever temperatures recorded for a MotoGP race that was Jerez at the beginning of the season. So, so, so much colder, trust me. <laughs> anyway, Aragon, uh, not so much this weekend, but last weekend was like racing in a fridge. Uh, you know, you had Spani- Spaniards and Italians this weekend who uh, were delighted that the air temperature was up to 18 degrees. Yeah. Normally they're still in scarves and fleece jackets at that weather. It, it, yeah, it just goes to show how important temperature has been this year. Yes, both the, the highs and the lows. The uh, uh, air temperature for the race, this second Aragon race, was twenty degrees. Ground temperature twenty seven. Whereas the weekend before, it was air temperature twenty one. Ground temperature thirty one. So yep. yes, and it, off the top of my head, Hareth to was air temperature 39, ground temperature 65. <laughs> well, that's nuts. <laughs> I always had a measure of hot ground temperature as 54 in Malaysia, so it's another 10 on top of that. 
No wonder those engines were in such trouble. Um, the, the hottest temperature I've seen this year in the van is 56 degrees ooh. at a circuit. Oh, you need Which to do from a from a vehicle, yeah, yeah, or or a, or a Patterson it's Fitness a... point of view. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, Mia said after the race that he wasn't thinking of the championship for the first few laps because he just wanted to crack on. And then he was trying to catch Rins and, and Morbidelli in front of him. And then he thought, hmm, maybe I need to start to think of the championship and just take the third position. Uh, another comment that he made to Spanish newspaper Marker was, I'm always trying to stay in the lead of the championship and get good points. I'm always trying to stay in the lead with this situation that you don't know, meaning the problems in Spain, uh, are they going to shut the borders? Who knows what's going to happen? Nobody knows, and he's already said that. Will we even have these remaining three races? Simon, you and I, we've discussed this quite a lot from the beginning of yeah. the season. So I've I've been saying this now for, for a month. The most important week of the 2020 MotoGP season starts today. It's this week between here and Valencia. Once we get to Valencia, once all the paddocks there, once all the riders are there, we'll see. We'll have two races there. I think that's a once everyone's on site, it's easier. The difficulty is going to be getting everyone there, getting the borders to stay open until we're there, getting all that to happen. So uh, yesterday, the Spanish government declared a new state of emergency. What that means right now is most of it is uh, small changes, like uh, there's now a 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew, which will affect a few mechanics working late on a Saturday night if someone blows an engine and it needs to be changed or totals both their bikes and qualifying. And that's national, not just paddock. That's national now. That was originally Valencia only, but it's now national. But the other part of the, the, the law change or whatever that came yesterday seems to be that they've they've said, here are some things you can use if things get worse. And some of those tools that are in the bag could really affect MotoGP because, for example, one of them is closing the, the borders between uh, Spanish provinces. So MotoGP is based in Catalonia. If they shut the Catalonia-Valencia border, then we might have a problem. But Dorna have been very quick to say, no, 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 none of this is happening. Uh, it's going to affect us. We're going to see you at the season. Everything's okay. Just keep smiling. I'm all for a brave face, but you can't predict a roulette. There's really nothing that they can do but be optimistic. Yeah, I, yeah, get, I get that, that. completely. And obviously, MotoGP has clout with the Spanish government. This is not trying to organise a MotoGP race in Silverstone where... You know, no one in the Spanish government even knows who Cal Crutchlow is, let alone Valentino Rossi or Marc Marquez. Things are very different in Spain. So I understand why they're being optimistic, but we just need to wait and see. I bet you, and they should have discussed it, one of the things that Dorna might have come across is, right, guys, I'm really sorry, when you go to Valencia, you're yeah, Valencia, Valencia, weekend off, but you, you go straight to Portugal. You don't go home. There is, there is no weekend off. Sorry, it's a triple header. Uh, sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> it's our last sorry, triple header. Freudian yeah. But what we've been seeing this year is people going home between triple headers. There was a very sternly worded email uh, sent out 
the other day to the teams saying we advise in the strongest terms possible, just stay in your hotels, folks. Just don't go outside. For me, that's the only option. People have to do it. And I know already that a few of the teams have been making contingency plans because they've been afraid of what's happening. Uh, I know of one Italian team, which has riders in two classes, who are hiring a minibus with two drivers, both of whom will be COVID tested, and then they'll put all their riders in the back of the bus and they'll drive them from, uh, from the Adriatic coast to Valencia because they don't trust putting them on flights. That's fair enough. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, and that's, there's going to be more and more of that. Which is why I had a subject later on, but we sort of covered it already, <laughs> which is all racers at the top of the title chase need to be super careful for the yeah. remaining four weekends because yeah. it's it's a championship for them or not. We've already seen Valentino yeah. Rossi min, win, miss two races. Uh, Jorge Martin. Uh, Ricky Rossi. Arbelino. Arbelino. Yeah. On, on a 50-50. He didn't really have it. He, yeah, he didn't even have it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah. But they've got to be super, super careful. Yeah. So and, and to be fair to them, they are. Because uh, even this week, I'd been, you know, I'd messaged a few of them a few of their press people to say, look, I'm in Andorra this week. If Maverick is around, let's catch up and do an interview. And they'd all come back to be like, yeah, yeah, we'll be in touch for the time. No problem. And then they've come back to me again and said, actually, let's do it when the season's over. And, and, and I'm inside the paddock bubble. I've been COVID tested. I'm isolating. So I'm as safe as anyone they could speak to is. But even then, they don't want to do it, which I understand completely. It, it has to be what you do for the next month. That's the state of play with the, the medical, the, 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 the coronavirus discussion. So let's let's come back to motorcycle racing. Yes, please. And on track kind of stuff. Yes, please. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so let's finish off what I wanted to discuss about Juan Mir, our championship leader. And Juan Mir discussing Valencia, he said, I don't know how the bike will work in Valencia. In Austria, I did not expect Austria to work so well for us, but... He did get a second and he did get a fourth, never mind the fact that he was leading the race before it got red flagged. So that we've got to start to concentrate on the remaining 66% of the races at one circuit. So picking out Mia, he last year finished in seventh position, 10 seconds back of Marc Marquez at Valencia. The year before at Valencia, it was a rain-interrupted race and it rained so hard that they had to throw a red flag. So we didn't see a clean, dry race. And the year before, which is 2017, again, can't necessarily compare apples with apples because I've discovered that it was a 30-lap race, whereas last year it got decreased by three laps to 27. Why did they do that? Probably because the 30-lap race was just too long. It was well into 45 minutes or so, whereas at 27 laps dry last year, it was 41, 21, and it's better for TV and attention spans. Yeah, there was there was a whole load of races last year, uh, that year that, that were chopped and changed, added a lap, shortened a lap, and it was just to bring them all to the same time schedule. So, yeah, for Mia... He, he wasn't the leading Suzuki last year. That was his teammate Alex Rins in fifth. But Quattararo was second last year to Marc Marquez. No Marquez 
he even if he comes back, he's not going to win Valencia. Sorry. But Quattararo was only a second off Mark Marquez in another brilliant battle when Quattararo was the underdog of all underdogs, which brings us on to discussing him and how he did in Aragon 2. I mentioned last week that he goes uphill with his championship points and then he goes downhill and he's still in a bit of a dip. He was he was eighth yesterday. I mean, last week's bit of a mess up with a tyre that he'd not used all weekend and he threw a new one in for the race that he hadn't used, tyre pressures and whatever. But he did say, I know I can turn it around for one race now and again, but you've got to do it. You can't <laughs> bank on it. That's, That's yeah. where what he needs to, to bank on rather than trip over. Absolutely. He left, he left Aragon yesterday quite chipper, quite upbeat uh, because he thinks he can turn it around at Valencia because he's confident that he can go to Valencia and things will be better there, which the odds are probably fairly good that they will be based on last year, based on previous performances, based on how well the Yamaha goes there, based on the fact that Jorge Lorenzo was an expert at winning the only type of races that Yamaha can win this year at Valencia. His last ever race for them was a flag-to-flag victory from Paul. But Maverick, uh, sorry, Fabio also thought the same thing going to Aragon. And it just proves that you can't rely on what you're hoping to happen this year. Because if we've learned one thing, it's about 2020. It's that the thing that you think is going to happen is the opposite. This year is just upside down. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if you go on last year's results, I'll repeat it. He, he's going to win it. But we can't go on last year's results. <laughs> it's just... No. And, and it's also worth noting that the Suzuki this year is a better bike. One Mir this year is a better rider. One Mir this year is fully fit, which he still wasn't in Valencia last year, which has kind of completely gone under the radar. He had that huge test in Smash in uh, Bruneau when the bike failed and he ran on and really, really damaged his lungs. And right up until the start of this year, he didn't have full breathing function. So he went to last Valencia last year unable to get a full breath of air. I think if I was Quattararo, I would have been a little bit more worried after Sunday than he maybe led on to be to us, at least. I mean, I know that everybody's had a non-score along the lines, but it's Mir who's had two non-scores, Quattararo one non-score, Maverick one non-score, Morbidelli three non-scores. So... Uh, if buts and what, if my aunt had balls, you know the rest of the sentence. But uh, Mia, when he finishes, <laughs> uh, you know, 11 points, which is fourth, second. Sorry, 11 points is, is uh, fifth. Apologies. Fifth, second, fourth, third, second, second. Five points is for 10th place. And then a third and a third. He is Mr. Consistency at the moment. He is taking a leaf out of Nicky Hayden's 2006 book. You say he's consistent, <laughs> but just to, he's consistent within the context of this year. A uh, very good friend of ours, Mr. Matt Oxley, did a little bit of research the other day. Last year, Mark Marquez won the title by taking 88% of the available points. Going into Sunday's race, one Mir was leading the championship with 48% of the year's available points. He's super consistent, but this year's just upside no, down. No, but he's more... He, yeah, he's the most consistent. Slightly apples he's still with oranges, not consistent. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <clears throat> it, it was the same in 2000 when lots of people won yeah, races. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was... It, it's 
when you get how many winners are we had eight winners you're just going to spread the, the icing thinner exactly. over the cake just um, just to pick up on something you said there I, i'm assuming you're better prepared than me and have the cha- championship stand-ins in front of you there franco morbidelli's engine blew up at Hareth while he was in second place that's one of his non-scores stick 20 points onto his total where's he in the championship He'd be second, and he'd be five points off the lead. Yeah. It just goes to show how how much of this year's race has been out of mm. people's control, you know? And but, I, again, with Mir, one of his non-scores was Zikir Lakona taking him out of Tarath. You know, but but the, the Mir non-win at Austria 1 was Zarko's fault. Very true. So, round and round we go. We, you, we, we've just got to look forward. Um I think it's an analysis for the for the annual at the end of the year. But, um, <laughs> we've got some what's. We're looking at a short winter uh, winter content, winter analysis pieces of the race, are we? <laughs> Dreaming, yes, yes. Uh, Quattararo said that he found a, a trick in the warm-up at Aragon 2, but by the time they tried it in the race, and we've already discussed that it was just a bit warmer mm-hmm. on Sunday afternoon for the second Aragon race. Enough it, to make a difference. Exactly. Enough to make a difference. It just didn't quite work. So here and now, off last year, Quateraro is the favourite for Valencia, but it's 2020. <laughs> so delete that last comment. Exactly. Uh, and let's not, let's not forget we're finishing a point of mile where no one's the favourite. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Vinales, let's move on to him. A big yep. drop off with both tars after just three laps in the race yesterday. Uh, he was quite sort of chipper about it, but hmm, mm. really, he had a uh, he had a ninth, uh, a seventh position. It's not going to you know trouble the score as much. He sounded like a man defeated afterwards. I'll be completely honest. His quote afterwards was, with the bike we have right now, it is impossible to beat Suzuki. He sounded like someone who is done. You know, Yamaha are not going to reinvent the wheel for Valencia. They're not going to suddenly give him the bike he wants. The bike that he, you know, thinks is inside the one he currently has somewhere. He said about Valencia, not big motivation for Valencia. My bike is very complicated there. So that backs up what what you've hmm. heard. Um, Indeed, yeah, it's all about tuning the brain, isn't it? Of course, it is. Mm. And you know that's that's what we've seen this year. The guy that seems like the most got it all together in all of our interactions with him. You know, we we spend what maybe ten minutes a day with with every one of these guys for four days a weekend. The guy that seems he has it most together is is Mir. He's the guy that's still chill. He's the guy that's relaxed. He's the guy that's, you know, just... Matter of fact, isn't just, he? Uh, yeah, he is. He's just getting on with it. How frustrating must it be for Yamaha? They're second in the championship, third in the championship, fourth in the championship. Rossi taken out because of engines and not being able to ride. But, you know, Yamaha, yeah. they're all there, but they can't knock the wall down at the moment. In the in the title chase, so yeah, Vinales doesn't sound good. What about Davizioso? Struggled all race. He said I was on the limit. The softer tire got chewed. Alec Alacious Bargaro pushed him wide into the first corner. He then couldn't make the gap up. Why not? Because I'd use my tire. I couldn't 
thrash it. I couldn't rag it because it wasn't there anymore. Quote, every race is a different story, but the same. It's difficult to be optimistic for Valencia. There is no reason to talk about the championship anymore. What a shame. What a shame. The the most damning comment that he made on Sunday after the race, someone asked him, bearing in mind that this is a guy who currently doesn't have a bike for next year, doesn't have a ride for next year, has no idea what the future brings. Someone asked him, do you wish 2020 was just the season was over already. And he said, yep, I hate being like this. This is a world champion we're talking about. Only a man who, and who's been second to Mark Marquez, what was it, four times? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve it. I know I'm being emotional with that comment and I'm not sitting on the fence. I just like, he doesn't deserve that. He's a good man, Davizioso. And I just feel that he's been caught up in this Machiavellian maelstrom of, of it. What do Philip Morris think of all of this? They're pumping in that much money. Audi might be trying to sell Ducati at the moment. I mean, he's always been for sale for the last few years, but Philip Morris, the sponsor who has no branding anywhere in the championship and who relies entirely on getting their return for money by bringing guests to the paddock which they currently can't do and don't know if they'll be able to do in 2021. It's not a great time. But, you know, what frustrates me is, you know, they came to MotoGP, Suzuka, 2003. I was there that day. I was there when they launched the bike at Mugello the year before. I was there when Domenicali and Livio Supo came to the commentary box at, at Jerez. They sat on the floor in the commentary box. He's now the boss of Ducati. They sat on the floor. I've got a picture of them when they, when they announced the project in... 2002 they've had all that experience they've got clever people from ferrari clever people from all over the world and they've won one world championship it's i suppose i'm just being frustrated that we all love ducati in some kind of way because because they're ducati and they have a different way but oh guys what are you doing what do you think I guess the only thing you could say is that the reason yeah. that we all love Ducati because they do yeah. things in a different way is that it's organized chaos. It's part of what makes them who they are. You wouldn't expect any less from an Italian brand, let alone the Italian brand. You know, it, it's just, it's Dobby. how they operate. Poor old Dobby. That's, <laughs> that's the way I sit on it on the fence or off the fence on that one. Um, Nakagami. Wow. What was he? Top two in every single session. Until okay. the one where they yeah. get the points out. Until the one I that I think counts. I was a lot of pressure, but I tried to avoid. I couldn't control it. Now I understand. Oh, he gets full marks for complete and utter honesty. Very Japanese. Very. Yeah, he sat down in the in the debrief. They originally the team originally cancelled the debrief. I texted Lucio Cecchinello to say, Lucio, come on, man. We've given you great coverage all weekend, please. And he, he phoned me to be like, yeah, okay, fair point. Leave it with me. And then uh, sort of two hours later than planned, the last of the debriefs was Taka. And uh, he came in and sat down in the Zoom call. And, and I said, so how are you feeling? And he went, well, better than two hours ago. And then straight up said, you know, he was under a huge, he said, the amount of pressure sitting on that grid, looking down the track, seeing nothing in front of him with his heart rate at 200 beats per minute, thinking 
everyone in the world is watching me right now. He says, it just all got too much for him. And he made a stupid mistake and he crashed. And next time, he's going to be sitting in the same spot thinking, remember what happened at Aragon? Remember how you need to control this? Be calm. And next time, he won't make a stupid yeah. mistake. Well, it's kind of a, not a carbon copy, but it's a bit similar to what he used to do in Murder 2. Yeah. Julian and I were commentating. He would lead by eight seconds yeah. and lose the race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Julian and yeah. I in the hire car, Julian was a believer, truth truth told, I wasn't a believer. I just said, no, 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 he's overrated. And we'd have this polite argument <laughs> back to the hotel. Um, of course. And, and it doesn't surprise me, but I know he will learn from it. Yeah, writers do learn from it. You know, writers mature, writers pick up. Look at what Sam Lowe's did in Sunday in the Moto 2 race. He dominated it. He won it by the biggest margin in a dry race. I've seen anyone win a Moto 2 race in ages. And three years ago, Sam would have got into that position and crashed. And he never even put a foot wrong in Sunday because he's matured. You know, and, and he is older than Takanakagami. He's been there for longer. Mm-hmm. As Nakagami said, if I can improve, then maybe the future is bright. This is really important <laughs> in my life. Very, yeah. very well said. Very uh, Japanese. Yeah. I, I imagine Lucio was having a bit of a tear in his eye as well. Um, Lucio Ceccanello, the man who uh, ran his own team when he was racing in 125 and won the Italian 125cc Grand Prix in his own team and held the lap record for ages after that. Yeah, there was a tear that day when he yeah. won it, and quite right too. Yeah, he's um, he's a fighter. I'll tell you a little anecdote. Uh, Bruno, twenty sixteen Sunday night, Cal Crutchlow has just won Britain's first race in thirty five years. Just won Lucio Cecchinello's first Premier Class race as a team boss. It just turned into a complete nutter whirlwind that evening. John McPhee had won in Moto three that day. Uh, you know, I was the motorcycle news reporter. What a day! And I had spent all day chasing Crutchlow and, you know, after the race and I'd been to the motorhome and everything. And I thought, I need to speak to Lucio. I need to go and find him. So I walked around to the team hospitality and it was a back-to-back race with Austria. So team were already stripping down hospitality. So they had all the, the front was off hospitality. All the chairs and tables and sofas and plants were packed away. And there was one table sitting in the very far corner of the room as the guys were working around it. And Lucio was sitting in this one table with a big glass, a bottle of red wine, his phone, all the messages he'd received all day and the tears streaming down his face. Good for him. Good for <laughs> him. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, we like him. We do. We like him. <laughs> so yeah, old uh, Takanaka, another day. Um, Paul Espargaro, fourth, KTM's best result around Aragon. Cooler air temperature and ground temperature than the week before, and yet a race time 10 seconds faster. Uh, a lot of people were quicker yesterday than the weekend before, but particularly Paul. So, yeah, good result, that. Good result indeed. They, they should be pretty happy because the week before, they were lost. I couldn't understand that. What KTM have done now, if they've... they've... It's kind of the evolution of uh, a MotoGP bike, isn't it? You build a bike that's very fast at one circuit. Then you build a MotoGP bike that's fast at most circuits. And then you build a MotoGP bike that can be fast everywhere and win championships. What they've done is they've built a MotoGP bike that a few years ago was amazing in the wet. 
I know they've built a MotoGP bike that's really good when conditions are good, but they still haven't built a MotoGP bike that's really good whenever conditions are a bit cold or a bit hot. Maybe part of that, maybe they have actually built the bike, and part of it is that they just haven't got enough data to know what settings to plug into the bike to make it work when things change a bit because they're still new, so new and there's still not so much information. It is very interesting that Paul said on Sunday after the race, one of the most important people in our team this week was Iker Lacona because of the amount of writing he did and the amount of data he gathered for us and the amount of things that he tried for us in the first weekend and then we put all that into the second weekend and that helped us. So that's kind of where they are. They're, 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 they're there sometimes, they're not there all the time, but that's only a matter of time. Well, that's the perfect number two driver, isn't it? It's the perfect number two yeah. number two team. Is number two team number two team number for, two rider in the number two team? My point entirely <laughs> is for Lecuona to just do as he's told and be wise enough and smart enough yeah. to do as he's told, and not one of these. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm riding for myself. I can win the race, mate. Yeah. Think of the long term. You've got another ten years in MotoGP in front of He's you. He's got another fifteen years. The guy's twenty years old. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> right. Fifteen years earning that amount of money, and da di da di da. He doesn't need to buy a car until he's forty, because he'll be given <laughs> one every six months. <laughs> I'm not sure he's old enough to. He's not old enough to drive some or to ride some of KTM's uh, most powerful motorbikes on the road. Well, he's not old he enough. To, to, he, he's going to have the Mark Marquez problem when he wins at Cota. He can win the race, but he can't get pissed at night because <laughs> he's not old enough. Can't even have a bottle of champagne at the podium. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wise guy to just just do the long-term thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I know the inside of that team quite well. And yeah. they, will, they will never forget him. They will never forget no. him. So, yeah, well done, uh, Lucky Rona. Uh, likewise, uh, Miguel Oliveira, he's been, wow, you know, he had a great tussle with Vinales and knocking on the door of, of getting past uh, Zarco towards the end of the race, who was a yeah. bit invisible, I thought, in the race yesterday. Didn't see much of him. Until the last few laps, whenever him and uh, Oliveira had a cracking battle for that spot, a few nice overtakes. Zarco's overtake back on him was a proper Zarco brave some people wouldn't risk that move overtake, which is, you know, yeah, you like to see a little bit of that from him. Leading Ducati over the line was Zarco. He was nine what? seconds ahead of Davizioso, but Zarco fifth, Davizioso 13th. That is how close it is now. Nine seconds Indeed. and you, you go down to 13th place where you get three points rather than the 11 for fifth. Oh, yeah. dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah, he's a... He's doing exactly what I thought he would do, what I hoped he would do, Zarco, which is keep your powder dry, be as quick as you were on the Tech 3. Yeah. You don't just forget how to ride after having won two Moto 2 World Championships and somebody will give you the big bucks. Do as you're exactly. told. Do as you're told. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and he had a good day yesterday, but I, I kind of I threw the question to Dovey in his debrief about, you know, Zarco was fifth, you were 13th. And he was he was. Not angry, but he had obviously, he knew exactly what he was going to say if the question came up. He said, yes, go look at your championship standings table. It's okay to be there one weekend or two weekends a year. He was there in Bruno. He was there again today. But where is he in the championship compared to me? And that's that's kind of been the case with Ducati this year. 
to give Dovi his juice. He has not always been the fastest Ducati, but no one has been consistently faster than him in a Ducati. You know, Petrucci has won a race and then is suddenly battling for 10th. Uh, Bagnaya wins, uh, fights for the race win and then just falls off the face of the planet. He was invisible the last two weekends. Mm -hmm. It is bizarre, isn't it? It is bizarre. And again, like I touched on last week, if you took Marquez out of last year's championship fight and every 25 points that he took put everybody up one place, yeah. it, was still, you know, the, the, it was still quite spread out. Yes, it wasn't as tight yeah, as it, it is wasn't this like year. This. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Uh, Crutchlow, uh, oh, shiver down yeah. his spine. He said, "My right shoulder clicked. It snapped early on. Uh, I checked pace for a couple of laps. I'm going for an MRI scan today." Yeah, it's all a bit weird. So, yeah, <laughs> if it's not his arm, it's his shoulder. But, uh, but I think what Cow needs is a good long winter break off. Yeah, and he needs a deal, or what is he going to do? So well, there's he, that too. He, like Davizioso, where are they going to ride in, in 2021? If they ride at all. If they ride at all. You know, they don't have to. No. They've earned enough for two or three lives. So, um, yeah, and they don't give the impression of spending willy-nilly. Uh, so, yeah, who knows? A uh, bit of a coming together at the, at the exit of the first corner. Miller and Binder. Binder has been given a long lap penalty after hitting the back of the Australian. Second time the South African has wanged somebody on the first lap because he wanged Oliveira at Hareth too. Um, ah, it's racing. I, it's racing. I don't think it should have been penalised for it. Um I've spoken to a few other people who don't think he should have been penalised for it. It's turn one. Yeah. These things happen, you know? Yeah. I uh, I tweeted last night to say he'd been penalised and I got a string of angry messages from the always happy to share his opinion, Loris Baz, to, to just say, you know, this is racing. Mm. We You cannot create a set of rules that leaves us so close to each other on track because, you know, nine seconds separating fifth and 13th and then expect there not to be a little bit of contact or a little bit of nudging or it's just the nature of it. it it's going to happen and it's very unfortunate to see people penalised for it. The, the worst penalty actually from yesterday though was uh, per Kazma Daniel getting penalised in the Moto2 race for a first corner crash. He fell off and then Tom Lutey ran him over ran him over, his body, and crashed, and they penalised Kazma for causing uh, Tom's crash. I mean, <laughs> I would imagine that falling off and then getting run over is penalty enough, but there you go. I don't know that much about NASCAR, and you know even less than me, but I've been, yeah. to, I've been to two or three NASCAR races. If they penalised a NASCAR driver for causing an accident... <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those biggies that they have at Talladega? Yeah, yeah. You wrote, you just paraphrased the, 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 the news article that you've written on the-race.com about the, this growing unease, not in your mind, but in the paddock's mind, about steward decisions. There is, as far as the writers are concerned, zero consistency among how decisions, penalties are handed out. They see riders getting penalised for something in Moto3 with ever-increasing sanctions and then the same incident being ignored in MotoGP. They see racing incidents in MotoGP getting clamped down on 
Whereas people doing insanely dangerous things that deserve a penalty get away scot-free. There is a big delay in things happening. Um, I'm going to go... Quote from Miller with some pretty strong language. Yeah, what the... Are these upstairs doing? Doing. And and as a result, there's just, there is no confidence. There is not a rider in the grid who will say, I have confidence in race direction at the minute. Sorry, not in race direction, because I need to clarify this over and over again. In the FIM stewards, who are now completely separate from race direction. And arguably, the point where all of this started to get a bit ropey was whenever the massively, massively, massively respected and very lovely Mike Webb race director was taken off the stewards panel and replaced with Freddie Spencer. 2006, a golden season in my mind for how close it was and as it as it honed its way down to the final race. With three races to go in 2006, Nicky Hayden, Repsol Honda, had a 21-point lead over second-place man Valentino Rossi. Juan Mir has 14 points at the moment with three races to go over Quattararo. It's even closer than 2006 but I think we knew that but please guys please I cannot stress to you enough this is a season the likes of which we may never see again for many a year or even a decade so do make sure at all costs you watch these three remaining Grand Prix two at Valencia and one at Portomayo oh Simon it's um I said from the first race, I said from the first race at the end of <laughs> July, and here we are now at the end of October, I've, I've just been so immersed in MotoGP. I love it. I don't, I, I, the, never mind the waters over the top of my head. I'm now three meters deep. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's incredible. It's just incredible. I I um I was talking with a Moto three rider earlier on, and I said, "Oh, I'm off to do the podcast. It'll only take thirty minutes." He says, "What are you going to talk about?" I said, "Oh, yesterday's race." And he was like, "You won't do that in thirty minutes." Oh, you got Moody on the mic. <laughs> Didn't tell him that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I get his point yeah, though. Yeah. Well, we're well over forty five yeah. minutes, so uh, he can buy you lunch. How do you, there's just so much happening exactly. every he can, weekend. It's he can insane. buy you lunch next time. He can afford it. Okay. <laughs> uh, our next MotoGP podcast will be next week uh, with Neil Spaulding. We're going to look into some motorcycle stuff and some titanium and carbon fiber. Neil Spaulding from MotoGPTechnology.com. He will give his explanation on the engines about which we've touched on briefly and how it might catch up with people over these last three races. Keep in touch with us at the-race.com and through Twitter at we are the race at Toby Moody, at Denkmit for Simon, and at Spalders for Neil Spalding. Like and subscribe. Click away wherever you download your podcast from. Do leave us a review. And it would be great if we can hit, again, some, uh, some big figures. We've said that we've hit over 100,000 downloads for this MotoGP podcast so far. Uh, the, way the, the way the championship's going, Mike, we might hit 200,000 by the end of the year, Simon. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure as always. And in the meantime, from myself, Toby Moody, it's goodbye for now. Can we contain our enthusiasm for these last three Grand Prix? Don't think we can. We can.